Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows don't have the best pilot episode, and giving you that second chance might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this time will be Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. That was sign language for takes off. Cool. The audience, de- the viewers, the listeners definitely heard that in such clarity. They they knew the sign immediately. Hi, passengers. One of, one of your pilots is learning sign language. You know what? I want to do a podcast that's only in sign language. And I do mean a podcast, not not a vodcast, a podcast, audio only sign language podcast. One of your pilots is learning sign language so I can better communicate with the passengers. He has just signed that he knows a little sign language. Yes. <laughs> It's going to be useful for the deaf passengers. Fair. You make a fair point. Anyways, Scott Pilgrim takes off. It is the Netflix adaptation of the movie adaptation of the graphic novels. Yeah, roughly. I mean, I would say it's more of a adaptation of the comics, but a remix of the comics. No, 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 because it has the entire movie cast. Fair. So it's an adaptation of the movie. I still don't think that's right, but okay, whatever. So Scott Pilgrim takes off episode one. Scott Pilgrim's precious little life. There you go. I let you do it. Are you happy? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm happy. Like I'm no worse. I'm no worse off than normal, right? So that's good, I guess. How are you doing though? I'm I'm all right. Are you happy? Never. Life is consistent doldrums with very few peaks, and one long consistent valley. And, you know, you would expect such a big valley to have, like, good, fertile land for things to grow and prosper. That's not true. It's all sand. Yep. I, I hate live between sand. two giant shifting sand dunes. I hate sand. It's coarse, gritty, gets everywhere. I, I can't. The only thing I can imagine is a sand sculpture I've seen of Darth Vader with the thing captured from Obi-Wan being, you've become the thing you swore you'd destroy, and it's just a sand sculpture of Darth Vader. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Scott Pilgrim takes off. Like I said, is it, a, is it an adaptation of the graphic novel, rather yep. directly or indirectly? It does have the entire movie cast returning for it, though. Yeah, and it is animated by the Japanese animation studio Science Saru, who has done some great shit in the past. Apparently, they've done my favorite anime movie of all time. They did. They did do Ride Your Wave. They also have done Lou Over the Wall, uh, Ping Pong the Animation, which I haven't watched, but I've seen so many fucking clips from, and the animation looks amazing in it, which, from what I've seen and watched their stuff, makes sense. They did Devilman Crybaby. They did Space Dandy. They did Lou Over the Wall, which is by the same director I, as yeah. Roger Wave. Yep, yeah, I said Lou Over the Wall, just didn't mention the director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're a fairly well-known Japanese animation studio Yep, that's done some really good stuff, like Roger Wave, one of the best anime movies of all time. I would actually agree. If you haven't seen it, listener, you should go see it. Um, In preparation of you watching it, though, I will say 
I will say you should probably bring some Kleenexes. I wouldn't suggest that. They're not because necessary. Because you will cry. Nah. Justice is a heartless automaton, so uh, he did not cry. But I'm most- not a heartless automaton. I'm a giant prehistoric reptile. We've covered this. My apologies. Scott Pilgrim opens very similarly to how the movie opens. Yep. And I assume the graphic novel, I haven't read the, vol- the first volume in a really long time. I'm pretty sure it opens in the same way. But we are in Scott Pilgrim's Dreams, which is a massive flat landscape of Desert. sand. Yeah. Everywhere. It's coarse and gritty. And as he's just wallowing on the ground, a woman comes skating by. Rollerblading by. Yes. Rollerblades. Roller skates. Still skating. Yeah. But I, I feel like skating, like you could have been inferring that those are ice skates. Fine. She comes blading by. Never heard someone refer to ice skating as blading, but I have heard people refer to rollerblading as blading. And it's almost like the worst type of person who rollerblades that calls it that. Man, you want to go blading? I honestly know. We could go blading. Look, the only way I accept that as a verb- there, There's a sick downhill, The dude. only way I accept blading as a verb is if you're saying we should watch all of the Blade movies, and even then I don't really want to, I'll watch the first one, but if it implies I have to watch the others, then no. Uh, Blade Trinity is pretty good, but it, no, if, if you use blade as a verb to me, I assume we're talking about wrestling, because- Of course you do. That's the verbiage for when you cut yourself. I thought you were just going to ask me if I wanted to play Mountain Blade. Preferably Mountain Blade 2, but you know- so yeah, she comes by Bladen. Yep. And she tells him to wake up because it's time to wake up. And he does. And then he turns to his gay roommate who sleeps in the same bed as him and goes, it's the girl of my dreams. I, I had that saw dream again. again. Yeah. And Wallace, his cool gay roommate, is just like, cool, didn't care the first time, care even less now. When are you going to get your own place? And then Scott's just like, isn't this my place? And then we get the same thing that we get in the movies and in the comics of pop-ups identifying what belongs to who. And Scott owns a poster, some dirty clothes, and his coat. Wallace owns everything else. And Wallace starts fixing himself some coffee and Scott goes, can I have some coffee? And Wallace is like, no. You mean my coffee in my apartment? And Scott goes, I don't want to take your sass. And Wallace is like, no, you could leave. You could find another place like I asked you to. Please. So Scott stills his coffee and is drinking some and he's like, ha, joke's on you. I was going to leave anyways. And he heads out to band practice. Because Scott Pilgrim is is in in a a band. band. Also, we should mention that this takes place not so long ago in Toronto, Canada. Yes, because we get that as soon as he steps outside and zips his coat up. Mm -hmm. So we get to band practice where we're introduced to some of the other main members of the the Scott side of the cast. In my mind, even in the movie, the cast can be broken up into like two segments. There's the Ramona-centric cast and and the the Scott-centric cast. cast. And this is the Scott-centric cast because here we meet Kim Pines, the drummer of the band. Steven Stills. Scott's ex. Mm -hmm. Steven Stills, the lead singer and lead guitarist of the band. He also owns the house they're practicing in. And then Scott is the bassist of the band. Yep. And we also meet Scott's current girlfriend, Knives Chow. Sort of girlfriend. She's 17. Yep. Scott's 23. Yep. And we also meet young Neil, who also lives in the house. Is young Neil Steven's brother, or do they just like- live, I don't- Are they roommates? I'm, I'm pretty sure they're brothers, but I'm actually not sure. Like, I, I didn't- I never questioned it in my mind when watching the movie, right? Like, yeah. Because the movie doesn't like say they live together, although like, I guess it's implied in the movie that they live together. But like the anime, yeah. the anime makes it very clear that they live together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Neil is his brother, or is related to him in some way. I'm pretty sure the comics actually like make that clear. But it's been forever since I've read them all. Also, the the fact that he is young Neil implies the existence, existence of an older Neil, of an old Neil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe Neil Styles is their father, and perhaps, he, and he is old Neil. Anyways, that's everybody we meet here. Knives thinks the band Sex but Bomb is the best band she's ever heard. Yeah. Uh, which Steven is very excited to hear and 
And Kim is like, no, we're not. And yeah, and Steve's like, maybe Knife knows things other people doesn't. Maybe she's just, you know, has better taste. And, that, and Kim's just like, she doesn't. Maybe she just knows things other people don't. Yeah. And Kim's like, no. And then we leave there to Scott and his friends walking to a party at Julie's house. And Scott is asked by Stephen, hey. He's asked by Neil. Sorry, he's asked by Neil. Why isn't your girlfriend going with us to the party? And Scott's just like, she's not my girlfriend. And I was like, well, then what is she? He's like, my sort of girlfriend? Yeah. So they get to the party, and basically as soon as they get into the party, all of Scott's friends ditch him. Yeah. Although, friends is a strong term, so I don't know if Kim is Scott's friend. It is. Up in the air. I mean, in the comics, I would argue she's not really a friend for, like, the vast majority, and then Scott stops being as much of an asshole and kind of repairs their friendship some. I'd argue that's even the case in the movie. Like, yeah. she's not his friend until, like, until he, he the second time he comes to G-Men's lair. Yeah. Like, the first time he comes, she just doesn't give a shit. And it's not until the second time he comes back and he apologizes to her, like... Yeah, and he's like, hey, I'm a piece of shit that she's like, okay. Yeah, like... Yeah, Kim's a simple person who, like, wants to play music and just wants to be treated like a fucking person. Yeah, but drummers aren't people. I know drummers. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> But anyways, at the party, Scott notices the girl of or from, from his, his dreams. dreams. Which I love that that's the way they refer to Ramona throughout these two episodes. Yeah. Uh, the girl of or from Scott's dreams. So Scott sees Ramona and before he see, uh, he sees Ramona. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say before that, before that, he goes to get a drink and yeah. he makes a mixed drink of Coke, well, cola and orange juice. That sounds terrible. Yeah. If Although, you need more proof that Scott's fucked up. I think there is an orange flavored Coca-Cola. I don't know, man. Yeah, actually, there is. Yeah. I think it's like an orange cream Coke or orange twist Coke or something, something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm basic. Like it's either got to be Coke or sometimes vanilla coke vanilla coke is honestly a little too silky smooth i mean i'm fine with cherry coke every now and then i mean cherry coke is fine but i think at that point i'd rather just have dr pepper fair enough like if i want if i want cherry cola flavor dr pepper's more in that ballpark for me i just i don't like the spices but dr pepper has 23 unique flavors yeah and like 20 of them are bad (laughs) so i do appreciate that cherry coke was the first cola invented specifically not to taste like any other thing that already existed that was the goal of the man who made Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. He wanted to make a unique flavored soda. Yeah. And he was successful. He was also an actual pharmacist. Yeah. Dr. Pembroke. Yep. Pemberton? Pemberton? Pemberton, I believe, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I might not be right on that point, but I'm pretty sure it's Pemberton. Anyways, though. Sorry, you brought it up. Like, Fine, go ahead. See, it's really interesting because Coke, colas are actually, the flavor profile is based off of the cola bean. Yes. And so... So was Pepsi. Yeah. Like, so colas in general are based off of something. Yep. And then, like, every other drink or food that you can imagine up until Dr. Pepper was 100% based on or made from... The flavor, pro- the flavor yeah. profile of a naturally occurring thing. Yeah. And then Dr. Pemberton was just like, um, do you do you understand like what we can do here? The things that can be done with this style of beverage. I'm, I'm going to make something create... completely unique. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, even if kudos you don't to him. Even if you don't like Dr. Pepper, like applause. Like just... I can't actually think of any other flavored beverage like that that's not supposed to taste like something else. Yeah. And I think like it's like it's even part of our lexicon. Like when somebody says, oh, hey, I, I just tried this thing. Somebody's always like, oh, hey, what did it taste like? We were we're expecting like notes we can relate to yeah but like dr pepper doesn't have that you can't yeah, be like, like it's got a kind of sweet taste and like it, it's it, it's kind of like spicy. spicy but it's not yeah like yeah yeah anyways dr pepper so off the topic of dr pepper because we need to get off that topic before yeah, I yeah we do um scott goes to talk to ramona 
Well, before he talks to Ramona, he goes to Julie. No, he goes to Julie afterwards. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. You, mm-hmm. You're right. He goes to talk to Ramona. He sidles up to her from the side and then asks her if she knows anything about Sonic and then relates a story about how in the 90s, there were two Sonic cartoons airing. At the same time. Mm-hmm. And the guy who voiced Sonic voiced Sonic in both shows, one in which was dark and edgy and another one was a comedy involving chili dogs. And it ends with him being like, isn't it so wild that one guy voiced two different versions of the same character? Which is such a meta commentary because, again, this is Michael Sarah who played Scott Pilgrim in the live action movie, yep. playing Scott Pilgrim in the anime. Yeah. The meta commentary. Beautiful. It doesn't read as heavy as a meta commentary at first when, because uh, spoiler, you've probably already seen it if you're interested in Scott Pilgrim. Show takes a massive turn for both the movie and the comics. But before that, it reads pretty faithful to it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel as like of a heavy handed meta commentary joke because he's not playing that different of a character. Mm-hmm. But assumedly, everyone else that's going to be involved in the show going forward after the end of this one, is going to be a bit different at the very least. Yeah. We already know one character is very different by the end of these two episodes. Wait, who, who are you talking about? The best character. Oh, yeah. My, <laughs> I love him so much. Uh, but anyway, she's like, yeah. They're fine. And, and he, she doesn't clarify whether she's talking if chili dogs like, are fine or cartoons are fine. He's like, oh, do you not like... Sonic, you know, like cart- cartoons or chili dogs? And she's like, they're fine. But I was into classics, you know, like... Old reruns of shit. She says some show, I don't remember. Columbo. Columbo, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then Scott asks if she's real. And she's like, did you just ask me if I was real? And he's like, nope. Talking to someone else, crushes his cup, and robotically, stiffly walks away. Let me tell you something. At a party... The question, are you real, is such a valid question. Yeah, you're because just like, he's like, when they go, did you just ask me if I was real? You just go, you don't know what drugs I'm on right now. Yeah. Like, you don't know you don't know my, my subjective experience of reality at this second. Yeah. I'm very high and or I haven't slept in days. Who knows? Or it could be a probing question. Like, are you real as in like, are you a real person as in like, are you fake? Do you act fake as fuck or what? Are you an NPC? Yeah. Like, do you? So many ver- ways you could take that. But Scott is Scott and he walks away from and stiff and there is a point here though that i like animation I, I love the animation overall constantly the framing that they do for this is amazing like when we first see ramona we get a shot from like her rollerblades across the desert from like a low angle shot so the dust is kicking up it's great as she circles around scott scott's head doesn't rotate but the face is just kind of stays steady and tracks with the front of the camera mm-hmm. so it's odd but it's great and here though when he gets nervous and is talking you can see the top line of his mouth get kind of wobbly and distorted and it's fantastic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. indeed so then he goes and wanders through the party until he encounters Julie. Who's just ho- like, why the fuck are you here? Who's throwing the party. Yeah. And she's like, why the fuck are you here? Fun it- fact. Julie dislikes Scott. And he's like, I'm a plus one. And she goes, there are no plus ones. My parties are perfectly curated. And he's like, oh, well. Uh, Do you know a girl with hair like this holds up a picture on which he has drawn Ramona's hairstyle? Which it's so accurate to the co- to the comic. Yep. It's so accurate to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, the drawing, like when he held it up, I was like, oh, that's just the exact drawing from the movie. They just... That's the exact one. I mean, the front bangs for the front side bangs aren't as like loopy drawing as they are in the com as they are in the movie like in the movie my brain partially goes oh it's supposed to be your hair loopies from avatar last airbender that thing my brain just goes it's supposed to be the hair loopies <laughs> know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking yeah. about so hair loopies and warrior's wolf tails yes yeah. why do you draw me with momo's ears those are your hair loopies oh fuck and then Julie's like, Ramona Flowers? So this is where Scott learns her name. And then she kind of explains that Ramona's new in town, moved here from New York, got a job delivering DVDs for Netflix. Because in the original comic and in the movie, she was delivering packages for not Amazon, but Amazon. In, in, in the, the movie, movie it is Amazon. It's just Amazon, yeah. yeah. 
Amazon.ca. Yeah. And in the Hey Wallace, what's the website for Amazon.ca? Amazon.ca. But so in this, she's delivering DVDs for Netflix because Netflix used to do that. Mm, used to. They closed it. They tried to do okay. it like a year or two ago now, I believe. I was like, until very recently, they still yeah, were. They have shuttered it since then. And the entire time Julie's like explaining who uh Ramona is. Scott's like repeating back certain th- phrases fr- from but it. But in a much like, more positive note. And it's not like, yeah, it's not even just he's repeating phrases. He's like, he, she's like. She's from New York. She, she She's from New York. And he's like. The New- big apple. Yeah, the big like, apple. apple. And she moved here after a bad breakup. She's, she's single. single. <laughs> she doesn't really have a lot of friends. She needs friends. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't think the anime has the I forbid you from I think it does because Julie's eyes get the red glare on them and she gets like superimposed on the screen somewhat. I think she just says stay away. But I think she says stay away, something like that, yeah. It's the same vibe though. I want to tell you, if you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World the movie, yeah. not you, Justice, but the passengers on this plane, if you have not seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World, you need to do yourself a serious favor, carve out a two-hour block of free time in your life, sit down, and watch the movie. I would agree. Not just because it's legitimately hilarious and a very fun time, but because the cast is so good, and they all just, they all deliver so well, and you'll recognize, like, everybody in the movies. They're all, like, this, like, they weren't super famous at this point a lot of them were still famous but like for a lot of them this was their jumping off point to getting yep. in bigger roles we got chris evans we got brandon ralph we've got michael sarah obviously michael sarah, mary elizabeth winstead uh oh damn why is my brain blanking on her captain marvel uh brie larson brie larson yeah i think this was one of brie larson's first big ones i don't know that's fair me neither like i said i think but uh, anyways from here scott goes home and we then see him sitting at the computer or Ordering a DVD from Netflix. And we find out from our conversation with Wallace here because uh, that Scott can't rent DVDs from the local DVD place because his tab is way too high. Yeah, yeah. It was way too much in late fees. Yeah. And when Scott asks what he should rent, Wallace tells him to rent a video with a hot guy and then suggests Lucas Lee when the search of hot guys gets no results because of course it doesn't. I, I honestly expected searching for hot guys on a DVD rental service to have a lot more results than that. Yeah, but he also searches like all one word. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And he's like, I think I need the name of a hot guy. Yeah. So Wallace suggests Lucas Lee, a character that if you watch the movie or the comics you are familiar with, and Scott scrolls through some of Lucas Lee's films until he gets to Game Over 2. It's over a second time. Yeah. Which is uh, brilliant. Yeah. And Scott's just like, ooh, it's over a second time. It's been over before. And then he orders it and sits at the door and waits. And, and Wallace is just like, like, it's not going to be here that soon. Scott's just like, how long can it be? And then we get a montage of time passing and Wallace like leaving going about apartment. his life yeah. and like doing stuff and leaving the apartment for like two or three days and then coming back and then... Like I don't think we actually ever see Wallace come back. We don't see him come back. You're right. And then the door rings and Scott immediately opens it and it's Ramona delivering a DVD. And she's like, aren't you the Sonic guy? And he's like, uh, y- yeah. And she's like, so here's your DVD, Wallace Wells. And he's like, no, that's my cool gay roommate. He lets me use his credit card, which Wallace does not let him use his credit card. God <laughs> just does it. And Ramona's like, so like a sugar daddy situation. A sugar what? <laughs> 
uh, the delivery on this show is almost as good as the delivery in the movie, if not better at some yeah. points. And then as Ramona goes to leave, Scott asks her to go on a date. And she's like, you want to go on a date with me? He's like, it could be a low-key team up. You know, America, Canada, Canada. you're new to town. I'm well, old to, to, to town. town. Yeah. And then we cut to them going on a date in the park. Can I just tell you how, how much both the graphic novel, the movie, and the anime is, I'm, you're new to town. I'm, I'm old to town. Old to town. Like that line. Yeah, that line Fucking great. slays. Mm-hmm. Brian Lee O'Malley. And he has some great lines. Thank you. That line is so good. Yeah. And th- th- also the line where he shows up th- th- the park, he's like, why-, why are you just waiting there? Why, why are you, you just, just standing, standing there? there? She's like, I'm waiting on you, dude. Yep. And so they walk through the park and they kind of establish that we're not going to talk about our pasts because Scott asks about uh, Gideon, who she mentions as saying that Gideon always said Toronto was one of the great cities, which is why she came here after she broke up with whoever. And then she asks Scott about his job and she's like, oh, it's a long story filled with sighs and woe. And she's like, cool, we no, just cannot talk about our past. Specifically, she, she asks what he does and he's like, yeah. oh, in between jobs. Between what and what and he's like oh my last job was a long story filled with woe and sighs and she's like cool we don't have to talk about our past that's fine and then they're sitting on the swings talking talking about how the weather's starting to pick up it's kind of cold scott asks if it's snowed where she's from he's just like that's the past he's like it's a location locations are the past yep except they are yeah some locations don't exist anymore like the cities that mount vesuvius claimed i mean pompeii's still around pompeii doesn't exist anymore it never existed <laughs> mount vesuvius erased it from Dude, the timeline pompeii had one of the like more well-known garum distribution like no we're not talking about fish oil but they found so many jars with the labeling of a garum dispensary that was located in pompeii throughout the roman world we're not talking about fish oil fine have it your way so, so Scott establishes that he's from further up north, and Ramona says she grew up in the mountains. They're both fairly used to snow. Mm-hmm. Also, there's something we forgot to mention when they meet up, and it's Scott's like, are you the girl from my dreams? And she's like, oh, yeah, there's a super convenient subspace highway that runs right through red. It's and like, like three miles and 15 seconds. I don't know what that is in kilometers. And it's not when they meet up for the date. It's before they go on the yeah. date. Um, and she's delivering the packet. Yeah. And Scott's just like, yeah, cool. A space subway. I get it. He does not get it. Um, but, and so the snow starts picking up. So they, they start making their way downtown, walking fast. And Ramona sees a star door, which Faces is past. the representation of the subspace highway, both the comics, the video game, the movie. And the anime. Yeah. And and they're homebound. Yeah. Because the star door actually does lead homebound. Well, to uh, Ramona's home. Yeah. Ramona's. Her apartment. And so they go there and they're both fucking freezing because it was a blizzard, basically. And they go to get tea. And Ramona goes to grab a blanket for Scott because he is freezing. She sets a timer to let the tea steep, and we cut between it and Scott rapidly. Uh, the it, timer going down by like a minute, a minute, a minute, a minute. Yeah, he's sitting there for like three minutes while she goes to fetch a blanket, and he's like, "I'm gonna." And then he gets up. He's like, he's like "I'm gonna go see if I get in that blanket. I'm, yep. I'm freezing." And he goes into Ramona's room where she is changing because she's in wet clothes and it's fucking cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's just like, whoa, dude, I'm changing. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm just cold and innocent. And closes his eyes. And he's like, covers him with his hands. He's like, it's fine now. I can't see anything. Um, She comes up to him and like presses against him. And is like, is this better? I'm cold too. Yep. And then there's a moment where Scott goes, uh, were you just plenty on? Well, look, the, the kiss first here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. And when they get done, they're both just like, sparks. They're like, yeah. And then Scott's like, so are you just going to bring the blanket from your bed? He's like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, well, what if we both got under it? Well, it was on, on your bed. Because, you know, we're both so cold. And then they proceed to make out in just their underwear on top of the bed. And it's just like, Which, what the fuck? I mean, the, blanket's the blanket's doing not nothing. helping anybody. You have pushed the blanket 
farther down the bed and you are not using it and you're both ostensibly cold. And now you're in your underwear, which means you're even colder. Stop it. Like, I get human bodies have warmth and technically, like, to prevent hypothermia, you should strip down more layers of your clothes and, like, cling to each other for warmth. But you're not even doing that. She's, like, on all fours, kissing him while he's sitting cross-legged on the other side of the bed. Like, no one here is warm. Your only point of contact is your fucking face. Use the blanket. (laughs) Uh, I get it's just an excuse, but stand by your fucking excuse. Well, it's not an excuse, because he's legitimately, like, shivering and shaking Not anymore, he's cold. forgotten about it. <laughs> so then we see them both partially under the cover, and Scott's just like, I don't think I can do this. And Rona's like, I've changed my mind. I don't want to have sex with you, Scott. Pilgrim. She calls yeah. him Pilgrim. And also, I mean, when she said, I've changed my mind, he's like, from what to what? Which is also a classically good line. Yeah. I've changed my mind. From what? So then she's like, I'm not going to kick you out of my bed. You can stay here for the night. And I reserve the right to change my mind about sex in the future. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, cool. And then we cut to the morning. And Scott like startles awake. He's like, what time is it? Yeah, his sleep bubble pops and he wakes up. Yeah. And she's just like, and Ramona's like, it's a bit before eight, but you got to get up and leave because I got work. Mm-hmm. Fair. Completely. And then Scott's just like, can this not be a one night stand? I don't even know if it counts. And she's like, what do you have in mind? And he goes, uh, my band is playing tonight at nine o'clock. You should come to the show. And then- <laughs> hesitantly as she's walking to the bathroom because she's like you have a band he's like yeah we're terrible please come so she agrees i love how blatantly honest he is yeah like they're not terrible right like yeah they're fine i know they're supposed to be like i don't even know if they're supposed to be bad they're just i think the idea in which their music's put in which it's bad is that they are a indie band that they're like an indie punk band so like they're an indie they're like a classic indie punk band whereas none of their songs like top out above two minutes yeah which but- doesn't mean they're bad like there's a bunch of indie bands that do that and they're great I I think it's more just like there's this idea where like creatives and artists in general don't recognize how good their work is most of the time. And so like Styles is constantly like afraid that everybody's going to think their music sucks. And Kim probably has the most realistic take about their music out of the entire band, but she still thinks they're not good. Yeah. And then I think Scott like just embraces the fact that like they're not professional musicians and he's just like, oh yeah, we're not good. But like, yep. So then Scott returns home and he's like, but you're wondering why I didn't come home last night. And I have to say out of all three versions of this scene, yep. the graphic novel, the movie and the anime, the movie just does it best because of the Seinfeld stings. I'll give you that. Yeah. And while she's like, uh, yeah, I don't know how I got that lucky. Scott's just like, actually, I'm the one that got lucky. I stayed with the girl of or from my dreams last night, Ramona Flowers. And while she's like, that's good. That's good. You've got to break up with your fake high school girlfriend. Uh, and Scott's just like, but it's hard and I don't want to. And are we even dating to begin with? Well, she's just like, Knives thinks you're dating the name of Scott's high school girlfriend. And she's an angel. I'm sad they didn't let Michael Sarah do more Michael Sarah in this scene. Yeah. Because in the movie, they just let him do Michael Sarah. And he's like, yeah, but it's hard. Yeah. And the, like in the movie, Wallace is currently cheating on his boyfriend with another guy in this scene. And- yeah. He's like double standard. And Wallace just goes, if you got a problem, take it up with Liberace's ghost. Yeah. But yeah, I, I fucking love it. Actually, I believe it's don't cite the gay handbook at me. If you've got a problem, they take it up with Liberace's ghost. Yeah. So Scott then essentially turns around and leaves again because- nope. No? Okay, my bad. Wallace points out that Scott got a letter. Mm, yes. Yes, so the letter. Scott starts to read it, and it's just like, Dill Scott Perilgram, I am Matthew Patel, blah, 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 something about fighting. League of Evil Exes, da, 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 da. More like the League of Boring, crumples the letter, throws it on his shoulder. Then we, we cut to the, the rocket, rocket. Yeah. where Scott has the show. And it's Knives walking in, and she approaches Wallace and Scott's sister, Stacy. Who she hasn't met up until this point yeah. yet. And Stacy is four years younger than Scott. She is 19. And Wallace is just like, hey, how's it going? And Knives is like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see Sex Bob 
I'm performing live, it's going to be great. And Malta is just like, you seem pretty upbeat for someone who got crushing news today. No, you seem too upbeat to be somebody that received crushing news today. Yep. And she's like, crushing? In a bad way? And then Stacy's just like, oh, you mm, poor sweet angel. You poor sweet angel. You're too good for him. And she's just like, what? And then Scott walks in. It's Stacy's played by the ever amazing Anna Kendrick. And then Scott walks in. I actually forgot a scene. Mm, what, was, what scene? After Scott and Ramona go to bed, mm-hmm. we have, oh, yes. actually before they even get to her house, yes, when yes. they sit on the swing set, we go to Gideon Graves in his lair, watching them on a screen. And he asks to be sent Matthew Patel. Bring me Matthew Patel. Yeah. And then we go back to their morning thing. And then before the rocket, we cut back to them. So like, here's where we get the second scene there. And it's Matthew Patel arriving to talk to Gideon Graves. Yeah. But Matthew Patel arrives before we cut to yeah. him arriving home yeah. that morning. And he's just like, what's going on? And Gideon's like, Ramona has a new suitor. And then Matt's just like, how many dates have they been on? One. But he's currently in her bed with her. Yeah. And then he provides like information that they have on him because Gideon's interns collected it and it's that he's 23 years old in a band hopeless jobless and, and dating a high schooler to which Matthew Patel's just like and I thought we were evil well, yeah he, Matthew Patel's like does she know about Ramona and does Ramona know does Ramona know and Gideon's like not as of yet and he's like I thought we were evil mm-hmm. and he's sending Matthew to fight God apparently yeah and Matthew goes and I'll kill him and then he'll be dead Scott Pilgrim's death is inevitable because I'll kill him and then he'll be dead because I killed him. Yeah. It's, I, it's Honestly, a lot of these lines that they give Matthew Patel here feel, feel more kinda like- Lucas or Toddish. They, they feel very Toddish from the movie. Yeah. Like, t- they feel very similar to Todd's cleaning lady monologue. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll be, and you'll be dust by Monday. And I'm and no, something like and the cleaning lady will clean you up because you'll be dust. Yeah. And, but why Monday? Because it's Friday now and she, she has doesn't the weekends, the weekends off, so, so yeah, Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah, Monday. Because uh, you'll be dust and she dusts. Anyways, though, so back at the rocket, Scott walks in. Knives is really excited to see him. Scott sees Knives, and then he sees Ramona, and he just dips. He's like, I gotta go, and runs backstage. Mm-hmm. So before Sex with Bomb goes on, Styles is panicking because the opening band for them, Crash and the Boys, have dropped out. They're, they flake. They're not going to yep. open. And he's like, it's because they know we suck. And then Kim was like, well, we might, but... Yeah, and I was like, we can't suck. If we suck, then they'll know we'll suck. Then the audience will know we suck. And this guy's just like, the only way to show that we don't suck is to play now. Yeah. And out in the audience, Knives is like, oh, how do you know Sex Bomb? Are you a fan? Yeah, she's talking to Ramona at this point. And Ramona's like, no, I'm actually kind of seeing someone in the band. And Julie pipes up like, who are you dating in the band? And just then Kim starts in on, we are sex, ba-bum. And then they start playing. Which, this is my, I'll wait till the end of the episode to yep. play this out, play that out. But so as they're playing, the back wall breaks and in comes Matthew Patel. And he flies across to the stage and punches Scott, but Scott blocks and then reverses it. Mm-hmm. Scott asks who he is, Matthew Patel, and introduces himself as Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. Now, it's important here to state that the moment sex, ba-bum started playing, basically, knives passed out. Yes. She was so excited. She screamed, threw her arms in the air, and then passed out. Yes. Right before Matthew Patel blew through the back wall and attempted to sucker punch Scott. Yeah. So Scott's just like, who are you? And why are we fighting? So Matthew's like, I'm Ramona's first evil ex. Didn't you read my letter? And Scott's like, uh... Kinda? I skimmed it? And did you just... Tell me what it's about? As he's setting the guitar down, kind of sitting cross-legged on the stage, and Matthew gets angry. He's like, I'm part of the League of Evil Exes. No, Matthew's like, I I hand-delivered that in a blizzard, yeah. In the middle of a blizzard, yeah, and then... It was very well written. There was a lot of information 
solution there. Yeah. But he basically summarizes, Ramona has seven evil exes, and in order to date Ramona, you have to beat the seven evil exes. Yeah. And so Scott's just like, like, you dated him? And Ramona's like, uh, yeah. And like- he's We like, were freshmen? He's in eighth grade. Yeah. But he's like, you knew about this? She's like, I thought it was a joke. Which like, to, I heard about it. I thought be, it was a joke. To be fair, if I found out that all of my exes had teamed up to form a league, to form a group and called themselves- The, the le- seven, the league of seven evil exes, I'd be like, that's a fucking joke, right? Like, guys, girls, come on. Like- Guys, gals, non-binary pals, what the fuck's going on here? I, like, I get it. I'm great, but- Too much. There's a reason we don't date anymore, okay? Uh, just a, 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 Like, this is the cherry on top of reasons to never date you again. Yeah. So Ramona explains that she dated Matthew for like a week and a half in like eighth grade. Yeah, because all of the jocks wanted her for some reason, and Matthew Patel was the only non-jock, non-white boy around. Yeah, and then they broke up after a week and a half, and he moved really far away, and he didn't even really become evil until high school anyways. Yeah. So they go to fight, and we get the announcer with Scott Pilgrim versus Matthew Patel. Round one. And then fight. And then Matthew Patel lands one really strong, really good punch on Scott's mm-hmm. jaw. And Scott poofs into two dollars ten cents in Canadian. Which is much less in American. Yeah. It's like what, forty two cents? Yeah. And then he hoists up Sormona's arm and is like, I did it. I won. I won. There's no reason why you can't date me now. And she just like tugs her arm out of his hand and walks off. Which uh hilarious because like the concept of a slowly- I mean, that doesn't happen. Oh. I mean, I was wrong, actually. I doesn't even hold up her hand here. Mm. He's like, I did it. I won. I won. And then we close in on Ramona's face, just like staring at the coins, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's the end of this episode. So, what are your thoughts on episode one of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off? What the fuck, Justice? Scott Pilgrim is dead at the end of- it. At the end of episode one? It is yeah. called- The show is called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, so really, the, 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 name the, twi- the twist was in the title, yeah. like- Scott Pilgrim, he's gone. But I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting it from like the stuff we heard beforehand. It was supposed to be a more faithful adaptation of the comics into a show. And I was like, that's cool. I really liked the comics. And then the end of this happened. I was like, like before this, I was like, oh, there's a few small things. She delivers DVDs for Netflix. Crash and the boys aren't playing. That's fine. And then it was just, and Scott's dead. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I think, I think really this is just an AU fanfic where it's just what happens if Matthew Patel was the strongest evil ex. Yeah. Like that's the AU. Because they, they don't appear to be ranked in strength. Like not, it's not implied that that's their order of strength. It's just the most recent exes is how it's established. Yeah. It's a timeline thing. Yeah. Gideon being the most recent, Matthew being the oldest. Yeah. Which it's weird that they, they power curve. That, mm-hmm. Like Rowan has a type and it's stronger than the last. <laughs> Ramona continuously upgrading. Gotta like, have that logarithmic scale of power. Like a computer nerd in their PC. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, the specs on this X are out. Gotta get a new one. Oh, though. Fair, though. I mean, it's kind of true. But overall, your thoughts? You enjoy episode one of Scott Pilgrim takes off? Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously, I like it would have had been a uh, Velma level rehash of Scott Pilgrim for me to not like it because the, whatever the graphic novel, excellent. The movie is and forever will be like a genre staple. I would like, agree. Yeah. It's just a cult classic at this point. I don't even know if it's a cult classic. It just, it was, a, it filled in movie theaters because it could, it didn't get enough yeah. buzz, but it was insanely successful by the people who did watch it. Like, the DVDs sales were good the video games have always sold well like i did personally rebuy it when it came out on the nest not on the nest sorry on the switch which is technically a nintendo entertainment system which is not the nintendo entertainment system though arguably it is the current nintendo entertainment system so um can i i almost brought it up while we were yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about you it you can talk about your own complaint 
my one complaint, other than the fact that the title is very accurate, <laughs> uh, my one complaint for episode one is, man, that music from the movie is just so iconic. You just missed the Beck music. God, Garbage Truck is such a banger. Yeah. I mean, all this music is still really good and feels like it fits Sex bob Yeah. And, and also, the opening song is also great. Also, Beck's um, We Are Sex bob Yeah. God, that, that song kills. Like, I understand being like, man, the movie music is great and I kind of miss it. I do. And maybe we'll get more of it throughout. Who knows? Look, I just want... I but do... I do also kind of miss it. And I, I'm not going to lie. I miss Crash and the Boys' song. Yeah. Well, two Both so- of their songs. Yeah. Spoilers for episode two. We get a song by Envy Adams. Yes. And I'm also very upset that that's not the... Uh, Black Sheep? Black Sheep. Yeah. yeah. But also, Black Sheep's song wouldn't make sense there. No, it wouldn't. But like, yeah. that that cover of Black Sheep by Brie Larson is iconic. Like, yeah. I, I can't remember the actual name of the band. The Metric. The Metric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... The Metrics version? Also fine. good. And also the rest of the Metrics music is also really good. Brie Larson's version of Black Sheep? Mm-hmm. Legitimately, like... A banger. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim's music. And, like, the bass line from Garbage Truck is just, like, forever ingrained in my brain. Like... Yeah. <sighs> So, after episode one, would you watch more? Yeah, I would watch more. I plan on watching the entire series. Same. Like, even after episode one, I, st- I plan on watching every episode, and I- Netflix, this is an actual on to- honest-to-God threat. You can use this as evidence in court. If you cancel Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, I will hunt you down. Fair. And I have a very particular set of skills, and I will use them. They're not very functional for hunting people down, but, yeah, I mean, as long as you apply yourself hard enough, I think you- people can generally do most things. And then- when I, a positive I, outlook on the human And, and once I find spirit. you, I will apply those skills as well. Well, and at that point, those skills are really just me being like, please, please bring it back. Trust me, it's very annoying. I've dealt with it. <laughs> anyway, so on to episodes two of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which is a league of their own. Yeah, so this is a Scott Pilgrim parody of the woman's baseball movie, A League of Their Own? No. Mm, yeah? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a parody of A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm, yeah. No. <laughs> it has the same title as the baseball movie. Which is why we know it's not a parody. Fair it, enough. Yeah, duh. okay. So this starts off with Matthew then hoisting up Ramona's arm and being like, I won. I did it. We can date now. And Ramona just like rips her arm away and walks off. Which... I'm glad that, like, the anime analyzes this. I don't know how much the graphic novel gets into this idea. That the evil exes are fighting Scott because, A, they don't want anybody else to date Ramona if they can't. Yeah. But, B, because they're under the impression that if they beat Scott, they can date Ramona again. Yeah, it seems to be the implication for them. Which makes zero sense because it takes all of Ramona's agency out of it. I mean, but we do know from the movie, Kadeen does not care about Ramona's agency. That's 100% true. Yeah. But, yeah. And then after everybody's left the venue, Mm-hmm. Everybody's left the rocket. Except for Knife. Matthew, who's just trying to figure out what the fuck to do from here. She's like, anyone get a video of that fight? Anything? So Knives wakes up, mm-hmm. and she looks around, she's like, did I miss it? Is the concert over? And the guy cleaning up the like venue is like, there was no concert. Bass player got punched to death. And she goes, punched, punched to death? death? Like, t- t- to death? He goes, that's what I said. Yeah, those are the words I said. Um, and then from there, we cut to Ramona bleaching her hair and, and dying it blue. Mm-hmm. Which, if we don't get a, you punch the highlights out of her hair line later, <laughs> I will be incredibly upset. Isn't that, that, that technically has nothing to do with Ramona. Yeah. But that line delivery by Young Nil. Dude, I just need the robotic, the drummer with robotic arms to show up. You punched the highlights right out of her hair. Because in the Clash of Demon Heads drummer is the one that does that in the comics. Oh, is he? They. That maybe he's their robot. Got it. Part, I don't remember if they're completely robot. I just can't remember if it ever says what gender they are. Mm. Well, that, that makes more sense. Like, I like like Luke is doing it. Todd doing it. Perfectly fine. But Todd 
wouldn't actually punch her. He would just like vegan smacker. Yeah, yeah, use his mind powers. But after Ramona dyes her hair, we then see her dressed in all black and heading into a church for Scott's funeral. And Neil and Kim are sitting in front of Ramona in the pews, talking about Scott's death. And Neil goes, "I can't believe he died." And Kim's like, "It was bound to happen. He was always taking on high level enemies." And Neil goes, "Yeah, but he never lost." And she's like, "Not everyone wins. Can't win all the time." And he goes, "The house, the house does." She's like, "What?" He's like, "You know, like casinos." And Kim's like, "I'm gonna go sit somewhere else." <laughs> Which honestly, I fucking love young Neil. Yeah. Here. Kim is like so deadpan. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I don't think she's his friend at this point. Yeah, but she obviously still cares about Scott as a person. Be like, she is actually in mourning. I don't know if young Neil knows what mourning is. He's just like the house. Yes. Yeah. So then, as Kim leaves, <laughs> house young Neil notices. The house always wins. Neil notices Ramona behind him, so he scoots down his pew and he's like, "Hey, you're that girl that got Scott killed." And she's just like, "Uh, okay." And then in comes Knives, wearing Scott's coat with his X Men patch on it, which we didn't and talk about. Yeah. The joke from it's fine that, mm-hmm. and wearing a sex bomb shirt and she notices Ramona she's like you you killed Scott Pilgrim and starts yelling about how it's all Ramona's fault and Ramona's just like that's not fair the and best part is the attendees at the funeral yeah. are like this is the most dramatic funeral I've ever been to like yeah so they're kind of just murmuring in the background being like oh this is so intriguing how scandalous it's great and we see Styles talking to Scott's coffin and he's just like man now I'll never know, know if, if we, we sucked. sucked which is nice I guess but I wish it was different circumstances and then as the we cut back to the funeral members and she's like it's so dramatic it can't get any more dramatic and then the narrator cuts in and goes or can it and, and we see a limo a giant ass long fucking limo super stretched limo mm-hmm. pull up and then we see red carpet roll out and out walks Envy Adams surrounded by ninja paparazzi I love ninja paparazzi mm-hmm. but Envy Adams Brie Larson's character strolls into yep. the funeral and she's like I don't want to make this all about me but let's make it all about me but I am going to perform a song there is a so everyone when they see Envy is super excited and there is one lady in the pew who has the best of all of the crowd reaction lines and it's just icon queen, queen mommy. mommy yeah and as in is standing in front of scott's coffin she's just like as all of you know i dated scott in my pre-celebrity life and that knife's like we all didn't know that and she's so excited because when envy shows up knife throws off her sex bub shirt and she's like envy adams she's the lead singer of my favorite band the clash of demon head and, and styles is sitting here like oh, he's like i thought we were your favorite band and she's like well you know like the clash of demon head's my favorite actual band you guys are my favorite not real band and then Envy talks about how, so yeah, she dated Scott and she doesn't really remember much of it, but she's going to sing a song. And the song is, she performs is I, I, I Will, will remember, remember You. But it's I Will Remember You as performed by the Metric with Brie Larson vocals. Yes. Because they even got the Metric back justice. Yes. And then it gets very poppy after like the I Will Remember You, Will You Remember Me line and then it just gets very poppy. Mm-hmm. She sings her song, leaves, and everyone follows her except for Ramona. Who walks up to the casket and we haven't seen into the casket yet. And there was one thing I wanted from this. One thing. And I was so happy when it was the case the two dollars ten canadian is the only thing sitting in the casket and so ramona apologizes to the coins that were once scott mm-hmm. pilgrim and during envy's song we have a brief montage of the exes showing up at their places of residence and getting a black envelope with their number written in gold filigree on it mm-hmm. and the letter is as we learn from gideon who reads, reads the letter it. summoning them to a special evening a special evening at gideon's secret lair and gideon's like was i just invited to my own secret lair i so i know i talked about it a little bit during episode one yep. but the cast is just so good 
Like Ellen Wong, the actress who played nice guys in the movie mm-hmm. and in this. In the movie, she has great delivery, obviously. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. In it. Yeah. And she has such a strong performance in this as well. Like just her reading of the lines has such a like good vocalization and good impact that it's amazing. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah. And, and Jason Schwartzman is fantastic. Jason too. Schwartzman kills it. Like I know we didn't mention it earlier, but Kieran Culkin plays Wallace. Yeah, it's also and great. He just kills every line delivery. He mm-hmm. Ramona first talks to Wallace when she walks into the funeral. Yeah. And she's like giving her condolences and yeah. stuff. And he's like, it's okay. I like wearing black and this is as good of a reason as any. Well, actually, it, when she walks up, he's like, oh, Ramona Flowers, the girl of or from Scott's dreams. Yeah. And he's like, I like wearing black and this is as good of a reason as any. I like what you've done with your hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fantastic. His line delivery is just all so perfectly mm-hmm. flat. That like Yeah, but after we cut from this funeral, we have the members of the League showing up at the secret layer. And they all start to meet up as they walk in. And it's just some easy banter between them. Like, Lucas Lee is talking to Todd and Grim. And he's just like, so, I heard you're getting into the acting scene. Todd's just like, yeah, with my vegan powers, I can memorize any script. It's so easy. And Lucas just like, for my last several movies, I didn't even read the script. And then I did Ro- it all improv. It's and Roxy- being in the moment. And then Roxy's like, is that why a third of your dialogue in your last movie was, let's party? And Lucas is just like, wouldn't know. Didn't watch it. And then he sits down at the table and... And Gideon's butler walks up and offers him a drink. And he's just like, let's party. Yeah. Uh, so they're all sitting at the table. They all have their drinks. Gideon arrives. And they're all just like, so why'd you summon us here? Gideon's just like, I didn't. And then somebody says, who invited the robot? And then walking in from off screen, we hear nobody invited the robot. And then the two twins, Kin and Ren. Yeah, Kin and Ren. Are just like, we built him. He's our very first robot. We call him O1 and we gendered him. Yeah. And uh, then Matthew Patel goes, there are no plus ones. My events are curated. Yeah. (laughs) And just rips its head off. To which they both get a shocked response panel. That's great. And so he basically is like, I brought us all together because I defeated Ramona's newest boyfriend. And I was just like, Ramona has a new boyfriend. And then Ken and Ren are like, it seems like she she had had a a boyfriend. And Matthew's like, yes, but the problem is I didn't get anything for it. I don't even get to date Ramona. If we beat her new boyfriend, we don't get to date her. And I'm like, wait, what? And then Gideon's like, yes, but you're the lowest ranked evil ex. Why would you really think you'd be the one to date her? You were fighting her boyfriend so that I could date her. And the rest of the table's like, well, that seems really unfair. Like we do this all for nothing. That seems like a bad deal. Yeah. And Matthew Patel is like, exactly. And that's what I've come here to correct. And then Gideon's like, are you questioning my methods? And Matthew responds with, no, I'm answering them. And so Matthew challenges Gideon Graves to a fight. Winner takes all. To which Gideon's like, you're not worth my time. You're a D-list, Broadway, aspirational actor. Yeah. And he's like, fine, I'll accept. After everyone mocks him for being scared. Oh, yeah, because he's like, he makes the D-list actor comedy. He's like, I don't need to fight you. To which Roxy's just like, Sounds like you're scared. And she's like, what'd she say? And then everyone responds, except Todd's lines are like half a second behind everyone else. And she's like, she said you're scared. Like, I know what she said, but I'm not scared. My nickname nickname in high school was fearless. I wore no fear shirts every day. And then... Sounds like those shirts were a lie, bro. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Lee responds, sounds like those shirts were a lie, bro. And then Todd's like, seems like G-Man needs to put his fist where his mouth is. So Gideon agrees, but his conditions are that if Matthew wins, he gets everything. His company, all of his charities. The League. The League, his movie studios. But if he wins, he gets to take Matthew's life. Mm-hmm. So then they start to fight. And it's a really good fight. Really, it's so good. The animation's fantastic. And for like the first bit of the fight. like when Before sh- Matthew uses his magical powers. Yeah. 
Gideon is just dog walking him, mm-hmm. like not even breaking a sweat, dodging all of Matthew's attacks. Like, and then he floors him with a solid punch. And when Matthew stands up, he summons his hipster demon chicks. Yep. I fucking love the hipster demon chicks. So they start shooting fireballs at him. They get launched into a gym where they then surround him at the free throw box line. And they're just shooting a ball back and forth between each other super rapidly. And then they shoot Gideon with it. He ends up underneath the basketball goal. And then Patil straight up dunks a fireball on him. Yeah. And Gideon's sprawled out, laying on the ground. And then it (laughs) elevators down. Yeah, he uses a remote to like drop Mm. the floor so he can escape. Into a movie studio. Where he then proceeds to grab a couple swords. Yep. And starts dicing the hipster demon chicks up. He takes out two of them and then Patel smoke bombs, hides, and knocks Gideon into a harness for stunts. Yeah, a, a harness rig. Mm-hmm. And like because nobody's controlling it, he's just stuck floating in the air, which makes him a perfect target for the fireballs. Except he deflects them all with his swords. He literally bounces the first set of fireballs back at Patel. Yeah. And then when Patel's like, again! He just keeps blocking them. So he then cuts himself down and Patel and his two remaining demon hipster chicks bail. They start blowing holes in the wall. And we see them go through like a veterinary charity, which he owns, another movie studio that he owns, past all of his awards that he's won with his movie studio, all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. References to just all the stuff he owns. Yeah. And they end up at a giant vault and try to blow their way through and just smack into it. And Gideon catches up and cuts up the other two demon hipster chicks. And then Matthew blows a hole through by the hinge of the vault door. Yeah. Because big, heavy, secure doors really hard to get through. The walls by them, not so much generally. And they fly up a stairwell to the very top. Well, Matthew flies up, Gideon jumps back and forth between Gideon parkour. Yeah. He hardcore parkours. So then they're fighting on the rooftop. And the demon hipster chicks are gone, but Matthew summons two arms out of his back. Wielding a trident. And they disarm Gideon of his first sword. So Gideon's down to one sword versus forearm Matthew Patel with a trident. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Matthew's not using his other hands or even his feet. The arms are just fucking badass. Mm -hmm. And they manage to knock him off the edge of the building. And he's holding on by the ledge. And the rest of the Alexis are like, what are you? I think it's actually specifically Lucas Lee's like, what are you waiting on? Finish him. Yeah. And we, we pause and wait. We had a zoom up of Matthew's face as he's looking down at Gideon and we see his eyes cut to the left. Mm-hmm. And like he's looking just, for something. He's just waiting mm-hmm. and waiting. And then a guy walks up with a clipboard and he's like, Mr. Graves, I need you to sign this. The results of this fight were legally binding. And then Gideon's like, wait, he gets everything? My, my empire? My record label? My lair? My, my league? Home? My home? My, my, my under? My, my, my underwear? Fine, I'll sign. And he signs it. And he's like, what are you waiting for, Matthew? Finish me. Put me out of my misery. Matthew's like, no, I want to put you into your misery. So the uh, robot O one helps mm-hmm. Gideon back onto the roof where he just s- stays on his knees. Yeah. And it, Matthew walks off, which, by the way, we didn't talk about this. Matthew's wearing a kind of dope military coat with giant spikes on the shoulder. It's very nice. It's very similar to the outfit he's actually wearing in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's got the red, he's got the red and black striped shirt underneath and the Yeah, I mean, he's just wearing a different jacket. Coat. Yeah. Because he was wearing the normal jacket the first time we see him in the anime. Oh, yeah. He's got, this one's got spikes on it. That's the big difference. You're right. Mm-hmm. And it's black instead of yeah. the beige. And uh, sitting in the building, he's like, you all betrayed me, Lucas? And, like, Lucas makes a scoff noise and walks off. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Todd? Todd also just walks off. Twin one? Sorry, twin? twin? Other, Other twin? twin? And Bell's just kind of, and walk away. And then Roxy's getting ready to leave. And she's just like, at two, Roxy? <laughs> she's just like, at fuck two? you. Eat this. Holds up a middle finger. And she's just like, Roxy, I-, I didn't value you like I should have. You're different than the others. You've got something special. You and me, we could form our own league. A league of two. And Roxy's just like, I don't need a league to get a girl. Loser. And walks off. Yeah. I do want to mention the whole time that they've been outside, it's been raining. Yeah. 
And earlier, while they were watching Gideon and Matthew fight, Todd's been the entire time, because Todd is a vegan, he has superpowers. If that doesn't make sense to you, watch the movie, read the graphic novels, I don't know what to tell yeah. you. But Todd has superpowers because he's a vegan and he's been like using his superpowers to create a, a shield above his head yeah. so he doesn't get rained on. And at I one point- He's just like, I need to stop eating meat. So good. And Todd just looks confused by your statement. <laughs> yeah. So after we leave Gideon moping on the top of his formerly owned building, we then cut to Ramona, who has just gotten home and she's having flashbacks to like her one date with Scott and then- and she goes to bed mm-hmm. and then we see her in the subspace highway and we hear God's voice calling out Ramona's name distantly kind of echoey and then she kicks out of bed and she's like he's, he's alive. alive and that's the end of episode two yeah so I like this I like honestly same. Matthew Patel has always been my favorite evil ex I can't yeah. I can't really pin down like up uh, actually in the in the graphic novel what I've read and out of the movie I can never pin down why he was my favorite yep. he just had like a certain panache about him he had some panache and the others were kind of bleh like, like otherwise I think it's like Todd is probably the best. Like, Lucas is just a dick. Yeah. But Todd is, like, a beautiful, beautiful himbo that, like... Yeah. I love him. He's fantastic. Matthew Patel better in the comics in my opinion like a lot better yeah and also she doesn't have her movie weakness instead that's an envy weakness in the comics mm. mm-hmm. but uh oh and the twins actually have dialogue in the comics yeah it doesn't also, make them much better but they have dialogue at least their dialogue is so plain in the in the movie in the um animation like they're, they're so like yeah they're meant to be kind of uh robotic-esque yeah but oh matthew patel like has always been my favorite and it's like o'malley and whoever was adapting this was like you know who the coolest evil ex is matthew patel matthew patel you know who deserves more screen time matthew patel and god i love them for it like giving matthew patel like a yeah. full-on story arc outside of gets shit beat out of that rocket oh, i love it so much thank god i love him i would watch more of this strictly because of the matthew patel like oh this i would is, agree this is the best but yeah, no, Kyle and Ken are fun. Well, more fun in the comics. Yep. So would you watch more? Yeah, I definitely would. Have you watched all of it already? Did you binge I watch it? I not. I intend to soon, oh, though. Fair enough. Well, I would watch more. You would watch more. What's your favorite thing about this adaptation so far? I mean, mine's Matthew Patel. Mine's the Matthew Patel love. I mean, so if we're talking about purely from a story point, not just the presentation, mm-hmm. it's Matthew Patel. But if we're talking about presentation-wise, I love the framing that they've used, the directing framing that they've used throughout the show. Like, it's still very similar to Eddie Wright's direct but yeah. it has some really, really great shots and I really enjoy that. And I really do enjoy Science Star's animation style and the way that they've done the comic so much fucking justice in its artistic style, but blended it with their amazing animation. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like even like the fight with Matthew and Gideon, like basically every move up until we get into the movie studio, every move, especially when they're just using normal fists, has a sound effect that's going with it when they're moving. Even if you don't see it, it adds so much style and panache to it. And like the colorations are different for both of them as well like it's just a nice neat little thing which takes way too much time to animate and is definitely not necessary no but like it is necessary for scott pilgrim scott pilgrim yeah has this je ne sais quoi about it that uses it, that yeah it has this je which is just so much about what makes scott pilgrim yeah. an excellent property but like what i'm saying is like adapting it from a comic the movie when the movie does it it feels more jokey mm-hmm. because it's hey look at these comic book effects but done in real life it's that it's adding a uh, humor and levity to it yeah which because you can already get an animation without adding the physical sound effects as much. Because the live action movie is like very much also a comedy. Yeah, I mean, so is the comic and mm-hmm. so is this. But the fact that I would expect to see that once or twice in some anime piece, like for some like more comedic effects in yeah. moments. But the fact that they took this thing that is so easily just ignored when you're adapting a comic into an anime or into a cartoon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they just wholeheartedly embrace it. And it's just like, yo, it is definitely part of the style of the comic. You know, you know what else is a little bit insane? What's up? They got the entire fucking, fucking cast, cast back. back. Yeah. 
and like doesn't surprise me i'm like scott pilgrim versus the world is one of those movies where like when you hear the cast talk about it nobody says bad shit about it yeah again like i, I mentioned to you before like the only bad quote unquote bad thing i've heard about it was even bad it was just jason swartman lamenting the fact that he chose to swallow the gum in the final fight like right before the final fight scene and they took that scene like six or seven times so like it's a bunch of gummy swallowing yeah they took that scene several times and i think it was like he mentioned i think it was something like on the second or third take is when he decided he was gonna swallow the gum because it was accidental the first time and it was just like that actually is a great moment like a brief good little moment they're just like cool we're doing that now and so jason schwartzman chose to actually swallow the gum each time yeah and like that's the only complaint i've heard he was just like man i shouldn't have done that (laughs) yeah anyways thanks for flying with us if you want to get reach out to us, like, let us know your opinions on Scott Pilgrim Takes Off for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Whether it be the manga, comic, whatever you choose to call it, the movie, or the video game. You can do that in a myriad of ways. You could email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You could find us on X, I guess. The app formerly known as Twitter. At copilotsreview. Or you could find a link to our email and our Twitter and our Discord and, and our, our Patreon YouTube. and our YouTube, our extremely outdated YouTube. At, at copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Yep. So thanks for flying with us and please fly again soon.